another episode of With the Chiefs. Wait, 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 wait. Man, I need more rest. I hope you got. I've got your last name right there. It's a very good pronunciation. You should know better than that now, Donald. I know. <laughs> <laughs>And we're live. Sorry, I've never said that before. But anyway, Dom, I'll let you go into the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of With the Chiefs. Uh, Today we've got with us Nick Walker. Nick uh, is a pretty credentialed runner. um, Some of his achievements from running is uh, being the under-20 steeple champion from 2006. So he's been running for a while um, and running well for a while. He's also come third at the 2014 World Trail Championships. So that's representing Australia and coming third is pretty impressive as well. Um, he's, he's currently a teacher, I think, at uh, Redlands in Sydney. Um, and he, he runs with Run Crew as well. But he's a bit injured at the moment. So, um, yeah, we're pretty fortunate today to have Nick on with us to talk about. I th- I'm sure we'll cover a range of things. But um, welcome to the show, Nick. Welcome, yeah. Nick. Thank you, Dom and Luke. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to be on, on your show today. Um, I've been following you guys for quite a while now. And as you said, I've been a little bit injured with a knee injury at the moment. But um, whilst I've been doing a bit of cardio on the bike and on the elliptical, um, I've actually been viewing your podcast. So it's actually been getting me through <laughs> um, some of the longer, boring, monotonous sessions, um, doing those cardio sessions on the bike and, and elliptical. So thanks for having me. No, no, thanks. Hey, it's, it's very to nice to hear. Yeah, very nice to hear. What? Is um? Do you have a favourite episode? Um, I you know I, I enjoyed obviously watching your episode with with Leo Peterson. He's one of my close mates who lives very locally yeah. uh, in the area that I live in, North Ride. Um, but also yeah. listening to Ed Goddard and his journey, and then Kieran Tall as well. Um, you know they're they're just a few I've listened to. Um, but they've all been, it's been I guess really insightful looking at their training program. Also, um, you know, the fact that you guys talk a lot about well-being and the importance of mental health, um, I think, is um, a really good way to look at running holistically. Um, and it's just good. I've been able to relate to a lot of the podcasts that you guys have put together. So, yeah, um, cool. they've probably been the key. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Awesome. We might have to take a that's that's a clip isn't it dom um, yeah absolutely so nick we uh we normally start off just by i guess recapping the last seven days or week so what's what's been happening with you yeah so at the moment obviously um with my injury i've, I've had to really listen to my body and my knee um i'm sort of in my third phase of rehab at the moment uh, so I have fortunately been able to add some cardio in. So on Monday, um, I did a 10K cycle, but for the first time, I actually went off the spin bike and outside. So I kept it only to 10K only because I just wanted to test the knee. Um, I'm supposed to be keeping it fairly flat at the moment, so I'm not adding in too much gradient, but I was actually up at Boomerang Beach for the first weekend of the school holidays. So really beautiful place. There are a couple of hills though, so I did maybe push the knee a little too far, but I managed to get through almost, I think, um, just a little over 45 minutes on the bike on Monday. Uh, And then uh, following that, I did strength work. I'm doing strength work every day um, of the week, just so Mm -hmm. I can come back hopefully really strong. Um, On Tuesday, um, I actually used uh, the, I think it's called the assault machine. It's like a a bike Mm -hmm. where you move the handles back and forth. And I actually did 10 minutes, 30 seconds on and off, um, which really hit the lactic system. 
Uh, and then I kind of, in, I went between that and the spin bike and did 10 minutes on the spin bike and then jumped back onto the assault machine and did um, another five minutes, um, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. And by the end of that, I think I did almost half an hour of that. I was pretty, pretty buggered. It was almost mm. the same as doing a, a lactic track session. Tuesdays, I guess I generally like to, um, to keep things, um, yeah, fairly, uh, you know, tempo based or, or working beyond that threshold. So I've tried to integrate that into my rehab to replicate the training that I, I have, I guess, consistently been doing. So that was on Tuesday. Um, I did more strength um, and rehab. On Wednesday, um, I jumped on the bike again and went along the Parramatta River. Um, loved doing that ride just because it's really flat and um, did a 22K cycle. Um, that was just a little over an hour. Um, then more strength work. Uh, and then Thursday, did another cycle as well, um, just over an hour. Um, but I tried to lift the cadence a little bit on Thursday and, um, and yeah, just um, work the heart rate a little bit more and um, did strength work. Yesterday was an easier spin bike session, did around half an hour on the, on the bike again. Um, just on the spin bike and then did some more strength. And then today I actually jumped on the elliptical and um, did an hour on the elliptical and um, worked um, in blocks. So I did five minutes of, of keeping the cadence fairly high and then um, lifted the elevation slightly um, just to, to work on my resistance training and did that every 10 minutes over um, the course of an hour. So um, yeah, pretty diverse training, but I guess I'm just trying to work within um, what my body and knee is capable of. It's only been three weeks in surgery, as I mentioned, so I'm not trying to overdo it at this point in time, but still trying to keep the heart rate going and um, and keep my fitness levels up. Mm. Um, sounds good. What what was the surgery that you had? Um, so I had um, knee surgery. So um, I, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, an interesting story. So I going back maybe two months ago now, just before uh, term two, um, I was going for a run. This was in LA visiting my brother and my knee just suddenly really flared up and I've never experienced any knee pain before. And um, I had to stop. I couldn't, and I was just going for an easy run. It was an easy um, hour and it got to the point where I couldn't run. So I'm like, I better listen to my body, better stop. Um, so then I didn't really run for a week. And then when I got back to Sydney, I saw a physio, just one of my, um, just a local physio, and when I saw him, he diagnosed my knee as having ITBS. Um, uh -huh. So pretty common, I guess, injury. Um, and he's like, you know, obviously you've got weakness in your ITB. We've got to work on that. So for two weeks, I was working on this ITBS and the injury wasn't getting any better. And I was doing some slight running on the treadmill, but then it got to the point where I just couldn't run again. I did a run crew session on Saturday on one of the Saturday mornings and couldn't make it through half a warm-up lap and I'm like something is going on so I actually went to another physio got a second opinion and um the the physio and the sports doctor at stadium sports said that I should get a MRI done and it wasn't until I had the MRI done that it showed that I had um, a condition in my knee called OCD which is known as osteochondritis dissecans um, which is a joint condition and mine was between the tibia and I think the fibula, and it's where the two um, knee joints rub together and then the cartilage wears down until it pretty much wears away completely. So I actually had floating cartilage in my knee. There was just these two big chunks just floating in my knee. And um, yeah, it, it was pretty severe. Obviously with cartilage, it's something at, well, my age, I'm now um, close to 36. And 
Um, it's a condition where I guess you can't really grow cartilage back, um, but it's mm. also a condition that actually affects young junior athletes. So particularly, particularly athletes who do a lot of excessive training. And when I was a junior, um, I was training pretty heavily for athletics. I've been running since the age of around eight years old. I was also a big swimmer, big on, on, on football and soccer. Um, and I did have knee pain, but I always just, you know, contributed that to growing pain, not actually um, OCD, but it's something that I've had since then. And it's only really emerged now, now that I'm a senior athlete. So I guess I've been lucky in a way that, you know, for the last, you know, over 20 years that this condition really hasn't shown until now um, as an athlete. And yeah, now I'm obviously, I've had the surgery, I had to get an arthroscopy done. So they clean the, the knee joint out. Um, they had to do a medial alignment um, where I think they put the knee back in place. And then I also um, had a micro fracture done in the knee just to generate plasma to the actual joint, which can assist okay. with, I guess, um, strengthening the, the, the existing cartilage that's in the knee. So, um, yeah, a fairly invasive surgery. And it wasn't until I saw my surgeon, Sam McDessie, um, recently where he showed me some photos where I actually could see the, I guess, the, um, the severity of of the surgery and the injury um that i guess made me really think carefully about how i train and and um you know what i do um to not affect the surgery that i've had to to make sure that i recover and, and do the rehab so that the knee can get strong and hopefully i can and hopefully i can run again as well yeah, yeah wow geez. did they yeah. did they say any so you you basically had it lingering for all that time yeah, I did. But the funny thing was, was that I didn't feel any pain. Like I've had calf strains and I've never had a major stress fracture ever in my life. Like this is sort of the first major injury that I've had, but yeah. there was no lingering pain until that one run that I did where I suddenly felt, you know, this sudden pain. That was the only time I've ever felt it. When I was younger, I think I did get some knee pain, but as I said, I just thought it was growing pains and left it. So mm. yeah, I don't know. I guess I've just been lucky. Um, during this time that it hasn't really fled up until now. Right. Okay. okay. That's crazy yeah. to um, think that it can be sort of in the background yeah. to a certain degree and then, but you're not being actually affected from a pain perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So do they say anything um, more specific at what could have caused it? Or is it literally just from hard training from a young age? Yeah, I'm, well, that's from talking to my sports doctor and surgeon. He just said it's being active from a very young age, and it's yeah. usually something that's happening through um, that happens during bone development as an adolescent. Um, mm -hmm. So, I guess I, there's nothing that I've done really over the last twenty years or so. I mean, I guess I've been running. Maybe if I wasn't an athlete or a, or an avid runner, um, I probably may have never picked up on this, but. You know, um, I guess as you get older, your bones do wear down and your joints do wear down as well. But um, yeah, it's just funny because I've never actually had knee, uh, knee pain ever before. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like the the stereotype that runners get knee pains. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't you think it's that from true, but I guess in this case, like, it is. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. yeah. What well, you get it from everyone being like, you, you're going to wear out your joints, but in this case. <laughs> Um, yeah. I know yeah. you never really take it seriously. I'm like, well, that's so general. That's such a generalized comment. And, you know, I never thought yeah. that I would have surgery on my knee after that. I'm always like, no, knee, no, knee issues aren't, you know, never an issue for me. And now I'm recovering yeah. from surgery. Anyway. Yeah. So that was the, too soon. 
that was the only that's what you had to do straight away is what they said surgery was pretty much the the only option correct it was the only option um i did get an opinion from three other surgeons and they all said you need surgery there was no way around it um i guess surgery is the last resort um but given the size of the you know the chondral fragments that were in my knee they're like no we've got to remove it otherwise your knee will never recover and you'll never be able to run again so um okay you know, i'm hoping I'm hoping that I have a still have a, a long running journey ahead of me. The sports doctor I saw, she was really blunt and she's like, you know, you'll never run again, you know, after this surgery. But then when I spoke to my surgeon, he's like, trust me, like once I do the surgery on you, you'll have another 20 years ahead of you. And he kind of gave me some hope, but I guess like the, the sports doctor or specialist always gives, gives you the worst case scenario. So, mm. um, you know, um, and I think, yeah, moving forward, hearing those positive words from the surgeon made me feel a bit more motivated with my rehab and recovery. Um, if I took really seriously on board what the sports doctor had said, um, I'd probably be, be doubting myself, but I'm just trying to, you know, push through and be positive and, and not have any self doubt. Yeah. Well, it speaks yeah, to definitely. getting, well, getting multiple um, opinions from different people because obviously you went to one person which said something that wasn't, and if you kept, kept running, if you kept running on it, even though, I mean, the pain was like, I imagine next level because you, you're having to stop within like 500 meters. So that's yes. not like something yeah. you can run through, but yeah, getting it hmm. multiple opinions is critical. Oh, it's so important. If I didn't see that second um, physio, I would have still been injured right now and treating ITBS. So, hmm. um, the other thing as well, and, and I guess this is for anyone else going through an injury, is um, definitely get multiple opinions from surgeons because the other thing that was quite difficult were the wait times. Given we've just come from COVID and, um, and you know, thinking about surgery time and all of that, like one surgeon at the Mater Hospital said I wouldn't be able to get in for surgery for another three months. Um, whereas, Sam, I was very lucky. It was actually a friend of, my, um, of the assistant principal at the school I work at. So he was able to fit me in for an appointment straight away and then actually get me in for surgery within three weeks of my diagnosis. So I think working with your network and your professional network, I had Ben St. Lawrence, my coach, reaching out to, you know, um, runners from the group who have had surgery and, and reaching within his uh, network. But at the end of the day, it came to whoever could do it first, who had the most experience as well, because surgery doesn't always work out. There's some, you know, I've heard of some runners who have unfortunately not had the best surgery and then are still having knee problems now. So if you can get someone good and get in sooner rather than later, I guess you'll be back on your feet running again. So I was lucky in that regard. Yeah, geez. And um, you mentioned your coach, uh, Benny Saint. Um, has he had much input in like the recovery and yeah. the, the training for that? Or have you got any other physios or strength coaches on board? Yeah. So I'm currently working um, with both my physios so at, at Stadium Sports. So her name's Julia. She's been amazing. Um, just with setting me strength, weekly strength programs and adding a lot of variety and really challenging me. Um, Ben's sort of come on more from the supportive um, end and sort of just been checking with me, seeing how I'm going. Obviously not running sucks because I'm so mm. used to doing it every day. But um, yeah, he will be coming on board hopefully as of next week because I get to jump in the pool and start doing some more, um, you know, water running and, and cardio sessions. So he's going to assist me with a program um, as of, from as of next week. 
it's been more from a supportive um, ground. It's probably been more me working one-on-one with a physio um, that's been assisting me with my strength work at the moment. And um, I've also been working with a naturopath. And I never had much faith in a naturopath until now, but um, they've been working, well, she's been working a lot with fascia, so with muscle manipulation, and that has actually really reduce the inflammation around my knee, allowing for a bit of a faster recovery. So obviously my knee was really swollen when I first had the surgery and now that inflammation has gone right down. And to be honest, like I'm walking pretty pain-free now and and moving so much better. So between the the naturopath and the physio, um, it, it's yeah, really assisted with my recovery. Well, what is, um, it's fine. oh, sorry, Dom, cut you off. I don't know what a naturopath is. That's what I was gonna ask. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, I guess, yeah, I, they work. I, I don't know the exact description for a naturopath, but I know that they work with muscle fascia. So that's sort of like the lining between your, mu- like, like around the muscle and it holds all your muscles together. So right. in, like the physio tends to go in deep and, and does a lot of remedial base work. But with the, the naturopath, um, they kind of do more gentle, gentle massage, but they also do right. hold and kind of methods as well okay cool yeah Yeah, cool yeah and um yeah i was gonna sorry i was gonna say um down the track are there any races that you're targeting or is it just sort of get get running again yeah i mean i i was really forward thinking i'm like i'd love to give the give the city to surf a go but i think that that's way too soon um and i think if i had it my surgeons um you know way i probably won't be running for another three or four months but you know, I'd like to maybe aim for New South Wales 10K, do a few track meets, even a few trail meets over the summer. And then next year, I'd love to aim for the World Mountain Running Championship. So that was my goal this year. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I'm not running because it's in Thailand. I'm not a huge fan of running in the heat, um, given my experience <laughs> in, um, in Hawaii where I had a really bad heat stroke. But um, yeah, I'm hoping next year the World Mountain Running Championships are in Europe. Um, and I'd love to hit hit the mountain running circuit. So, um, yeah, I guess just a bit of uh, more track meet focus at this point in time. But I think right now the initial focus is on getting through the rehab and the recovery. And once I know I can run, I think that will give me a bit of confidence. Once I do that first jog, um, I'll see how I go. Then start setting some um, some short term and long term goals. Is there um, different? Is there different? Is there a plan for the rehab in terms of is there different stages that you've got to hit? Um, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so I've still got another five more weeks of strength rehab. So, you know, that will involve obviously working on my stabilizers, um, quads, everything around the knee joint, hammy, um, and then slowly increasing. As I said, I'm jumping in the pool next week. So that's sort of getting into my third trimester of recovery. Um, where I'll be able to do some cardio, get more movement in the knee through kicking. Um, the physio did advice that I wear a pool boy and work my, more my upper body, but I should be able to get in the pool and hopefully start increasing my um, my distance as well as my pace in, in the pool. And hopefully by that eighth week, so I'm still five weeks off, that's when I can slowly start jogging and yeah, getting back into the running. But Apparently, it's going to be a bit of a slow haul. I'll be jogging for a couple of weeks before I then get back into proper training. So it's probably still another three months before I can start running again. Yeah. Uh, um, and maybe, sorry to rehash it, but are you were you in like sort of panic mode trying to figure out what to do 
before surgery? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was, to be honest, quite nervous about it because from different, I spoke to another runner in, in my running group who had the same surgery um, and she was just saying, look, it's, it's, a, it's a really long recovery. Um, you know, it could be up to six months before you start running again. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, my God, like I've never literally yeah. had more than six weeks off. So um, I was, yeah, rather panicked um, beforehand, just knowing what, what lay ahead of me. But the way I, I've just had to change my mindset completely to I'm going to recover. Um, I've had my surgery and I've just got to get the strength work done, not have self-doubt and, um, and, and move forward, but not be too confident either. Um, as mm. I said, the knee pain stopped now. Um, I'm walking fine, but also respecting the knee and the surgery that I've had as well. Mm. So um, mm. in terms of mentally shifting for that, obviously you're, you've been so used to in the past training. And as you said, you've only had, what, a few weeks off. Are you, did, did you have to like start shifting, for example, all right, I've got a training week. These are the key sessions. And now you're sort of shifting mentality to, all right, I've got a rehab week and these are the key things. Have you just like reframing it all in your head? I have. And, you know, I think that's actually helped me. What I've been doing with my rehab is that I'm making sure that I do my rehab at the same time that I actually would have done my training session. So when I go to the gym, it's at the same time as what I do my Saturday morning tempo. So it still feels like I'm not losing the structure because I know for every mm. athlete, structure is so important. Um, yeah. You know, we're very regimented with how training goes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm making sure that I, I, yeah, train at the same time that I'd usually train. Um, and, yeah, I guess I'm also repositioning my goals. I guess I've my short-term goals are getting through the rehab and the recovery. It was quite frustrating because I was supposed to do, you know, the New South Wales mountain running champs on the day or the weekend after I had surgery. So just doing like reshifting the competition to then focusing on surgery, I've just had to remove any sort of running competition thought from my mind and just focus on, on recovery. Um, mm. I think if you, yeah, it, it's good to set long-term goals um, to keep driven. But I think if you start, I guess, being too caught up on what could have been or, you know, or, or what I should have done or, or could I have done something better? Could I have done this race? And you start losing a bit of hope. And um, I think to maintain motivation, you just got to keep looking forward and moving forward with, with recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I mean, whenever I've had to shift something, it's like you said, looking too far into the future can run into problems because you're always yeah. projecting, but it's nice like that you said you've structured it where you just, you know, one week is a nice time frame and keeping the structure. That's actually one of the biggest things that scares me about um, having that is, is you're just so conditioned week to week to training and obviously the benefits that it provides mentally. So, so um, yeah, it would be very challenging losing that. Yeah, I mean, it could always be worse. Like I was just thinking, I'm like, imagine if I was in a wheelchair and I actually couldn't yeah. do any cardio. Like I need to put things into perspective and I'm just so grateful that I can at least, you know, be on a spin bike or go out and actually ride a bike outdoors. Like as long as yeah. I'm doing some form of exercise, that's keeping me driven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, well, um, thanks for going to that. Maybe we'll just no. talk yeah. about... Um, Dom, obviously not, not much is happening in terms of 
training do you want to give i guess people an update yeah. on what's happening with you yeah well i guess um on sunday i felt like a little bit of a tickle in my throat in the morning i did a covid test but it was negative but um that afternoon i was like had a really bad fever all of a sudden and was just in bed um and like all that night was not great but i woke up monday morning and was like oh this isn't too bad it's just like a bad cold i did a test and it was positive so i was like okay i got covid but um my girlfriend had it a few weeks earlier and for her it was just like a bad cold like she didn't miss a day of work and was like wasn't in bed or anything at all she just kept on powering through so i think i had that sort of expectation in my mind so i kind of um just tried to keep on working as much as i could um despite having like really bad fevers and stuff and then uh yeah tuesday i still had pretty bad fevers and everything and um i was in a work meeting and ended up just fainting um which was a bit scary um luckily beck was in the same room so she sort of got me and made me lie down and stuff and um yeah after that it was a bit of a wake-up call to like take things seriously and um just not push it like so i just yeah took the next days off work completely um and was just yeah lying in bed um but yeah it was a bit of yeah, a wake-up call and I guess like all the race plans have kind of gone out the window now. Um, I was meant to be doing this 100 mile in next week and I don't know, I'm feeling better and better every day. But um, yeah, I can't hold like the same expectations um, of the race of what I would have had previously. But uh, yeah, it's been slowly getting better and better. Like I think yesterday I, I got on the exercise bike and did an hour and then I've done another hour today. So um I'm back moving and stuff, but yeah, just like I'm over the worst of it recovering now. Uh, so yeah, that's how my week's gone. It's just been COVID and being sick. It's it's weird. You kind of forget how to be sick because um, you haven't been sick for so long. But yeah, this is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, fainting was, I remember getting the text from you, just reading it being like, am I reading this correctly? What the hell, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And then, yeah, just a lucky, um, Lucky Beck was with you, um, but it's a bit uh, scary. Do you think maybe a bit of, because you were a bit of dehydration as well, or I don't know. Yeah, I think just all the fevers and everything, you're sweating a lot. And yeah. I think that, yeah, it affects like your, your heart and um, it affects everything. So I think that things just probably weren't working properly and your brain's probably not in, not getting enough oxygenated blood and just, um, I don't know, goes into panic mode, but... Yeah, that's the first time I've ever fainted from being sick, which is weird. But um, it's, a, it's a strange disease. Um, yeah, real like weird brain fog as well, which um, I, I don't know. I've never really felt that sort of feeling before. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was weird. What about you, Smitty? How's me going? Yeah, good. Um, better than that description, Dom. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> 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 um, jeez um yeah good had uh this week i'll give a bit of a recap of the week so monday monday i think was pretty easy tuesday this week is very light in terms of the sessions and the work because it's obviously race week so gold coast was today i'll talk a little bit about the race but essentially on tuesday i think the session was a a taper session it was like a um Mona Fartlek, which is the first time I've done that, uh, which which is good. It's like um, 
obviously it wasn't too much work in total but what did we do i think it was i can't remember what it was um uh, two by 90. yeah 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 that's four right and 60, it gets it gets it got 30, quicker yep yeah 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 so um, that was how mm-hmm. do you know how far you went no i don't actually because it was all oh, sort okay. of one activity and i was really in the mindset of this is a taper session so it actually oh, yeah. uh, um it felt it was hard like it felt harder because i'm expecting not to be working hard but then just like looking down at the watch following the prescribed power and paces like you still still got to be working hard but um it was good i think after the 5k running taking the mileage a little bit down and then running on tuesday i could tell my legs were starting to freshen up which is really nice um then wednesday was wednesday was easy thursday was not not a session which we normally do a session on thursday it was literally just um uh just some almost like strides i was like uh 30 i think it was 30 seconds really like fast like a really fast stride and then 145 1 minute 45 tempo times by six so it was just again i think getting the legs moving and then um friday just super super easy before before today which was the which was the race um I realized when I picked up my bib that I was in the A. I was in the A, so I wasn't in priority or oh, really? or elite. Yeah, I don't know. I think I what the hell? I think I mucked that up in the application or I did it too late. But essentially uh, when I was running to the race, I was kind of like in panic mode trying to find because I was lining up where the A's were, but it was really far down the back and there was like just so many yeah. people because the time uh what's it called? The the like projected in the A was anywhere from one seventeen to two hours, I think. Or yeah. Um. So lucky, I moved up. I moved up the front of A, and I saw Arthur, and I was oh, like, yeah. "Hey, hey, mate!" He's like, "What the fuck are you doing there?" <laughs> and I was like, "Um, yeah." I just said, "I don't know. I'm in A." He's like, "Come on, come on, come through." So I went through, which is which is yeah. which is nice. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Arthur, for geeing me up to push through because i was just literally standing behind the rope like shooting myself a little bit but i don't think it would have been too bad but it was nice to push up um all right in the spirit of not rambling what should so basically the race was the weather was all right the weather was all right like it was meant to be raining but it was kind of it was like a drizzle and being in the gold coast normally it's like i don't know 20 degrees and a little bit humid so i feel the rain actually played definitely played in our favor um so went out the the plan (laughs) the plan was to the plan was to go out sort of 323 pace very very ambitious um so i did that and went through went through 5k i think it was like six almost like 17 flat um then then through through 10k in like 34 34 10 which is actually funny that was my that was my time at sydney harbour last year so i kind of looked at that being like geez i've come come a long way in a short period of time which is which is awesome um and then basically i knew see it's funny because you come to get to really understand your threshold pace and i knew i was pushing it a little bit 
but I was kind of being a bit ambitious. Mm-hmm. I had one thing I did, which is a little bit different, was take the take the Morton gels, um, take a like a standard Morton gel before the race, like fifteen minutes before, and then as I'm going through ten k through eleven k, Sally was advising that I take like a caffeine gel as well, which I feel gave me a bit of a kick, um, which is good. And they're really, really good on my stomach. I ha- had no, had no issues in that regard, but, um, then yeah. So through, through 11 K took the, took the gel was feeling good, but like 12, 13, not to say I blew up. Like I just went from running 323s to maybe 327, 328s. Um, so, so still, still solid, but obviously you're just feeling legs are getting really heavy. Um, you can't hold the same pace. It's just getting really difficult. And the half marathon I find is a little bit of a challenging one because, you know, when you're sort of halfway through a 10K, you really just got to push or you're pushing the whole way. You don't know when, like, I, I feel mm. like I never knew when to just go. Um, yeah. um, so, so through 15, yeah, so I got to about 15 Ks and it was, not, it was actually really good working with, with a few people. Like we're taking turns of just surging, going out in front, going out in front. So that was really nice. I wasn't, I wasn't in no man's land, um, mm-hmm. for, for, for the race, but yeah, ended up just being me and me and two other guys, um, towards the end. And basically sticking together, working together. This other guy just took off after, which was which was good to see him charge. And then it was me and this other guy just like uh, back and forth, back and forth. Um, yeah. I ended up just just getting him, but I stopped looking at my watch. I was just like suffering. I just wanted to get through it yeah. and push like as hard as I can, but um, without without uh, without blowing up. Which is funny because you're still kind of still kind of just holding back. If that yeah. holding back and not like running all out, but still trying to find where that limit is, and sometimes it's hard to find. But essentially, yeah, four k's to go, I was really, really started hurting, and you just you you're pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, then, yeah, see, I think the last k when I was ging up was like a three three fifteen or something. So it just makes you think. I don't know. Could I have pushed it harder or? Could I have held three twenty threes? But there's something about the last K that just you G up yeah. for. And then maybe I was thinking about it after. If I held a faster pace, I might have blown up. Like you sort of know what the yeah. pace is. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's ambitious thinking. But anyway, cross the line in seventy three uh so sorry, seventy two fifty three. Seventy two fifty three. Well done. Thank you. Very big PB. I'm stoked. Um, so Canberra ran 74.58 um, a few months before. So it's encouraging that this training I'm doing with Sally is really, really paying off and gives me a lot of hope. Um, just going into Melbourne training for the marathon. So I'll just do a, I'll start doing a 12 week um, or what, whatever is the remaining time just get into marathon training and hopefully i won't say the time maybe you can just imagine what time i'm trying to break <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit like that um yeah no 230 i want to break 230 i'm saying it um so that'll be the goal going in but fingers fingers crossed i mean you never know what's going to happen so 
that's a very long-winded training update. Actually, I will mention, mum raced today her uh, oh, wow. first 5K. Oh, wow. It was really, really good, to, really good to see. It was funny, straight after the race, she's like, Luke, it's all about me now. Just come on. Um, so, so, yeah, no, it was, it was nice. It was really nice um, seeing mum get into running. Uh, and she's never been into running before, but you can tell like having that sort of having that tangible goal has really pushed her, like having something to train for, Oh, I need to get fit. You know, what if it's like sort of the, the fear and also the excitement of having a race has, has, um, G'd her up and yeah, who, who knows? Like, well, mum will do, she wants to do the 5k in Melbourne as well. I'm trying to convince her to do the 10k, but she's, she's basically just starts yelling at me when I suggest 10ks, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll organize some training for her and um, yeah, but no, that's really, really nice to, to do, but yeah, that's, that's my update. Sorry for the 10 minute update. Well done, Luke. I was going to say, um, you, you said you ran the Canberra half. How did yep. the Gold Coast half compare to the Canberra half? What, what did you do differently in that race than what yep. you did in the Canberra half to get that PB? Well, that's a good question. Because um, I did a, I started the training program with Sally and we were only sort of just beginning. So, so basically after we, we really then started putting in like a good structured training block. And even though the mileage was down, I think I've talked about it, the sessions were just so much meatier um, and, and obviously using power, they were a lot more, they were a lot more specific because I, I felt like I was training really well at threshold, which helped, which in the past I've used heart rate and I've actually religiously looked at heart rate and just noticing what threshold, like true threshold feels like compared to what I've, because I would like look at my watch without before Sally's program and essentially be like, oh, my, my heart rate's 180, for example, and slow down. And it's like, that's not how that actually works. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so I left a lot. I think I left a lot of fitness on the table from training like that, even though like uh, I, I, did, I did well to get to where I was. But I think this program and having Sally sort of look over and give me guidance and make sure, give me all that, like I'm learning so much in this process as well. So I think just continuing to be trained smart will be, will be good. But to answer your question, just doing the bigger sessions. So like I noticed I sort of fell apart in Canberra. Like I slowed down quite a bit and my legs like were not really turning over and it was a lot more painful. I noticed from doing those bigger sessions, like for example, the biggest session we did was two by, sorry, nine by 2K. And then we did like eight by um eight by 2k before and just like seven by 2k so building into those and like really pushing hard um helped me like i felt stronger towards the end of the race and obviously um running my fastest k at the end sort of suggests that so i think it's just a a big bank of training all came together um mm. and yeah i think the the gains are a little bit harder to come by but because like i kind of even said to sally like i don't know can i keep improving and she's basically like yeah there's not nothing that stops you from improving if you're if you're just training training well and mm. like i used to run 130 
Ks and always stress about running. I've got to run, you know, 110 to 140 Ks. But mm. I mean, I've been running 70 to 100 Ks for this block and I've gone to another level for myself. So it's not always, it's more about this. I would say it's more about being specific with the training. And I don't think it's something I could have done on my own, to be honest, because I also have a lot of, um, I have a lot of blind spots in my training. Like, cause, cause there's a lot of things I can't see. Like we did actually, that's another thing. We did a lot of hard, like VO2 max training, like 145 reps. So speed is another big thing that I was missing before. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's a combination of just training heaps better. So it's really exciting to see like, all right, so we'll do another training block and get to get to another race. So. Yeah, I hope that nice. answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. How long until your marathon? How many more months do you have? Uh, I think it's, I can't remember when, I can't remember when Melbourne is, but I think it's three months or so. Middle of October. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah three months. Three-month block and, you know, practice that pacing and that quality. And, and I think I agree with you. It's not all about quantity it's about you know quality sessions as well i know as as distance runners we're getting quite caught up with how much mileage do you do a week or you know what do you do but i think if you are working beyond that heart rate and yeah working beyond threshold um but yeah. also hitting that speed hopefully that will pay off in the marathon so it sounds like you're on a pretty good track yeah yeah Fing fingers uh fingers crossed um and i've just that's another thing i will mention is varying varying the training has made it a lot more enjoyable I felt like my training before was kind of monotonous because I was just, you know, doing the same thing and not really having an outside person looking at it. Um, so, so the the variance in the training has been good as well. So, yeah, yeah nice. happy with it. Thanks for asking that question. <laughs> well done. Um, all right. Well, maybe we will, if you don't mind, we'll go a little bit into sort of how you got into running. Um, and just, you know, just a bit of background on, on your journey so far. Yeah, sure. Um, so from a, a young age, I was actually a swimmer. So um, I was in the, in the pool at the age of around three years old, um, pretty much grew up in the pool. Um, and I started doing squad training from the age of around eight. Um, and at that point, you know, I was um, doing, you know, six sessions a week um, from a very young age. Um, and that was through to the around the age of 12. Um, I, I got to state and nationals in swimming. 100 meters backstroke was sort of my key event. Um, I was really good at short course. Um, but then I started doing cross country um, at school and then did little athletics. I, I joined um, Northern Suburbs Little Athletic Center when I was eight years old. Um, and I was actually balancing running with swimming for, for quite some time. But I realized when I got to high school that it just wasn't manageable um, doing both the swimming and the running. I'd be swimming in the morning and then I'd be doing running sessions in the afternoon. Um, but my first coach um, was Sally McGrady, um, who um, I don't know if you, if you guys know of her, but she unfortunately passed away from breast cancer um, a, a few years ago. But she really motivated and inspired me um, to, to stick to running and um, hence why I'm running now all these years later. Um, but yeah, from around um, the age of 13 at high school, that's sort of when my running started to take off. So under her guidance, you know, I got through to state cross country and 
I was running at a fairly high level. I was doing mainly two or three sessions a week, um, keeping the, the training fairly minimal and was with her for a couple of years. But um, I, I grew to love running from a young age. Then the age of 16, I joined um, Alan Nolan, who um, trains down at Rotary Athletics Field. And that was when my training really started to lift. Like I was training with some of, you know, the, the, the big guns um, like Caleb Wagner. They were pretty big at the time. Uh, and and Vlad as well, who's a who's a, who's a big trail runner um, as well now. But uh, we were doing some big sessions, and I remember my mileage suddenly picked up um, to you know close to 100k a week um, at at the age of 16. So I pushed myself, and I managed to get to nationals. I placed at nationals and and got some really strong, solid results. Um, so I was with Alan for a couple of years throughout my high school years. Then. Um, you know, he sort of built a really solid foundation for me with running. He got me into the strength work. He got me understanding, you know, the importance of running with a with a group. And, you know, he was uh, pretty hard um, as a coach when it came to the training. Like, he made me very disciplined. Um, but then when I left high school, you know, I, I went to uni, went to um, UNSW, and um, there I joined Ross Foster, who's part of Ride Athletics Club. I think Kate Spencer might have trained under him for a while. Um, but that was when I started to kind of progress from, you know, cross country as my key focus. And I was doing eight 1500 3Ks, versing Ryan Gregson. Travis Prigg was another key runner. Um, Jeff Risley um, and Tom DeCano were sort of my key runners um, in that age group. So very competitive age group. But um, when I, I moved off to uni, that's when I started focusing on steeplechase and Ross was my steeplechase coach. And um, we did lots and lots of sessions, um, you know, jumping from a steeple into a sand pit and, yeah, just training for that. And that's sort of, um, you know, how I placed at nationals. Um, and, yes, yeah, I sort of trained with him for a couple of years. You can see I've kind of moved from coach to coach, but from every coach that I've joined, I've learned something new, which has transitioned into how I coach because I'm now an athletics coach coaching young juniors but i picked up something from each coach um, whether it be how, how you do strength training how you do your endurance training how you do sprints training and how that's all intertwined um and yeah so then from uh from my journey with ross foster i then moved on to ron bendel and i did a completely different sort of training than what i've ever done before i was doing a lot of speed endurance with him um, I was actually running at that point with like Liz Clay, who's obviously a hurdler now, and Bella O'Grady, some of our top female sprinters, Anthony Collin. But I was pushing myself. I know, Luke, you were talking about doing speed training and virtually most of my sessions were speed endurance-based sessions where I was working beyond threshold. I was doing, you know, 2400s, but the sprinters were joining me for each cycle. So I was pushing myself. And you know, I still, I think I did like a, a low 32 minute 10K um, doing that kind of training, but I did find myself being trained by sprinters and not actually running with a proper distance running squad. Um, I had maybe one or two other 800 runners who might, who joined me for each session, but it was definitely um, a different type of training, but I learned the importance of speed training, incorporating that into my work. Um, and then it was after, it was actually Ron Bendel who got me into trail running. So he goes, let's, you know, um, you know, diversify your training a little bit. Let's do, you know, a Sydney trail series meet. So I did the Manly Dam trail run. That was back in 2014. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Like I have always felt for me as an athlete, I thrive best off track. So um, whether that be cross country or mountain running, um, I've kind of got good leg strength for that. Um, so once I gave that a go, I'm like, I love this, you know, 
um, I was kind of moving away from the track and, and the competitive atmosphere to then being a trail runner where all of that's removed. And I know, Don, from you doing some of your trail runs, you probably understand like you kind of, it's just you and you're kind of versing yourself in a way. Um, obviously, there's competition, but it's such a different style of running. Um, you know, you've got a different crowd of runners who are, who, who are part of the competition as well. Um, and there's just a really nice community around the trail and mountain running scene. So I really adapted to that. Um, and then I competed at World Champs under uh, Ron's guidance. Um, and I was actually doing a lot of solo training in the lead up to that. So um, yeah, a lot of trail runs, um, but yeah, just a lot of hill training going off track. And um, I did still do, I think, two sessions a week on the track. And then all of my other runs were done you know, in Lane Cove National Park or going out to the Blue Mountains and doing Narrow Neck or, you know, along uh, along the Great North Walk Trail. So, um, yeah, after that, I then, you know, thought I actually need to train with a proper group. And then in 2016, I joined Run Crew and I've been with Run Crew ever since. And I've, I think, particularly now that I'm working full time as a teacher um, and not having as much time, and I'm sure you guys can relate. I don't know if you, you both work full time, but having a, a group for me to train with has, has really helped push me a little bit. I do a lot of my sessions throughout the week by myself, but on the Saturdays um, when we do our tempo sessions at Centennial Park, those group runs for me have been really motivating. Um, and, you know, that's kind of kept me focused and engaged um, whilst I've been working full time. So, yeah, I've been uh, coached by Benny St. Lawrence and, and really appreciated his guidance, skill and experience. Um, and yeah, I've also got a, a great bunch of runners and competitive runners, um, to run against as well. So, you know, they've definitely, that's definitely helped me. I think I've kind of realized since doing a lot of solo training and now running with a group, the importance of group training, I wish I could do more of it during the week. Um, unfortunately with my work, um, I work as a year advisor. So my afternoons are filled with parent meetings in the morning before school and after school and every day is quite different so i tend to be more flexible with my own training during the week but on the weekend i make sure that i hit that saturday session and and do that so yeah since i'm running with with um run crew i think my training i've been doing track i've been doing trail i've been doing road i've been doing every type of running um even though i do prefer trail and mountain running but you know i've been challenging myself and I'm obviously not the best in the group. Um, you know, I probably sit, you know, in the middle of the group, but um, in the middle of the pack on Saturday mornings. But every session, like I am pushing myself, I'm I'm virtually um, finishing on my hands and knees. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for those sessions. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Kieran was just talking to Kieran before giving us an insight into those those Saturday sessions, which are quite. I didn't realize how. Well, I actually, I've talked to Otto as well, who's my, who's actually my next door neighbor. And yeah, yes. so I get insight and those are pretty full on sessions on the Saturday, but I noticed again, obviously the like to take the, do you still do the long run on the Sunday you keep, and then you take it easy. Cause I think that's what Benny yeah. loves is a slower um, yes. long run as well. Yeah, no, I, I do my Sunday long run every day, obviously pre-injury. Um, yeah. I do that as well. I haven't been doing that as much with the crew. I tend to do that more solo or I might join Leo or, or, or you know, other mates to do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always been the Saturday morning, you know, threshold or tempo-based session. 
or hilly tempo. They love to do a good hilly tempo on a yeah. Saturday morning in the Sunday long run. Yeah. Yeah. And um, have you got a, a favourite session or? Yeah. I mean, it's actually funny. Um, Kieran was mentioning that one of his favourite sessions was 3x3K or 4x3K. And that's one of my favourite where you do 3K pretty hard, try and keep the times consistent or try and get quicker each 3K and then jog the 500. So it's a fairly continuous session. But when you're running around the white fence, um, you know, you can choose to run the road or on the trail. I like to run on the trail. Um, you know, I do find particularly by that last 3K, like you're pushing beyond what your body might be capable of, but you just feel great after the session after you finish it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy the Healy Tempo. Now, usually everyone complains when <laughs> they're like, we got a Healy Tempo. Everyone's like, oh, Healy Tempo. But they're tough sessions running up that Healing Centennial Park for like almost 400 metres. But you just feel the gains and benefits in the training post that session. Um, yeah, you're, you're constantly working hard. Uh, so I also enjoy that session. What is, um, you mentioned like your, you lean more towards trail from a, cause you're sort of, um, maybe naturally better as what you said, or it's more suited to that strength. But what, what about from an enjoyment perspective, like track right. versus trail? Yeah. I mean, and once again, I'm going to bring this back down to my work. So when I'm at work, I am constantly being, you know, <laughs> like I've, I've got teachers, I've got, I've got parents, I've got students coming up me twenty four seven throughout the day. So if I go and do a trail run where it's quiet, it's peaceful for me. Like it's such a mindful experience. Just just hearing silence for me is great. So um, you know, um, I, I I love that aspect of it. I love being amongst nature. I just I try and you know I focus on my breathing and my time, but. I try and actually not focus too much on time. I focus more on how I feel as opposed to the time itself. Um, yeah. And that's the part sort of I enjoy it. Whereas at the track, you know, you're constantly trying to hit times. You've got, you know, it, it's great um, from a competitive sense. You're, you're constantly working with other athletes and you're probably pushing yourself that much more. But um, there's a lot of distraction going on around you. Whereas when you're, you know, in a national park trail running, it's, like you, you get that feeling of solitude that you may not mm. get at the track. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I think definitely more on like, if I can relate it to anything on a long run, for example, just going out mm. and sort of tuning, um, tuning into a certain pace. It doesn't have to be quick, but you just can, and maybe listening to some music, you're just very relaxed, but I've never thought of relaxed on the track. So I can, I can definitely relate to that, especially the speed. There's something about doing like a speed session on a track is just like, Oh, I really want this to be over with. Um, <laughs> um, which, yeah. which is interesting. But, um, in terms of your, in terms of your training, um, obviously you've worked with quite a few different, um, coaches, which I imagine have, have different sort of perspectives on training what have you how's it changed how's your sort of um uh training changed over the years is there anything that sticks out yeah i mean i think from joining run crew actually i will say that there that the the style of coaching is almost like all my previous coaching styles turned into one so 
for mm. example, I get my speed sessions on a Tuesday. Um, and that's sort of what I used to do with my old coach, uh, Ron Pendle. I'll do, you know, um, you know, off road training on a Thursday that they bring into my program where I get to do some hill training. And that sort of re reminded me of what I used to do with Ross Foster. Um, my Saturday morning runs are like the same that I used to do with Alan Nolan at, at Rotary Athleticsville, where I'm running with a group of people who are really pushing myself. But I think um, the key thing, you know, that, that's really stood out to me, particularly um, from Benny and Gary's sessions with Run Crew, is that, you know, they're very, the, the sessions are quite diversified. I know Saturday morning might seem, you know, like we're doing white fence laps, but, you know, the, the, the training differs from, from weekend to week and we're not doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and that's sort of the, the training throughout the week as well. You know, Ben doesn't mind if I go off track to do one of my tempo sessions, I could be doing on the side of the road, but you know, as long as I'm hitting the timeframes, I'm, I'm keeping the training fairly consistent. Um, you know, that's, that's the key thing. So, um, I'm glad that I've joined run crew because I'm getting all the different coaching styles into one, um, which has been really helpful. Interesting. Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of your races, if you think about sort of, cause you've, you've sort of done a bit of everything I would imagine. What are, um, what are some of the, yes. what are some of the trail races you've done? For example, if we can go into yeah, so one I've, of those. Yeah. Um, so I've done a few, you know, I've gone over to Hawaii. I've been to New Zealand, done the Waiheke trail half. Um, I've been over to Japan, done a few trail series over there. Um, and I guess, yeah, just the, the one thing that I love probably most about the trail running, so you get other type of runners that you meet along the way. Mm. Um, you know, I've got friends who I can now stay with when I go overseas. I've got, you know, it, it's good to get an insight on their Strava as well, what type of sessions they do. Um, but yeah, the, the, I guess looking at the different meets that I've done, the gradients vary, um, the, the different trails that you run vary as well. Um, you know, Hawaii, for example, it was so humid and, and just adjusting to a different climate was very different than what I had here. When I went to New Zealand, it was very cold, but then the gradient was very different and the trail was a bit more technical. So when you're trail running, you know, you're constantly thinking about where you're placing your feet. You do get sometimes taken away by the scenery, but you're constantly thinking about your movement and where you are. And depending on the kind of trail that you're running on, whether that be a single trail or fire trail, um, can, you know, really diversify the race. Um, it also, you know, um, I think nutrition is really important with, with you know, the, the, the type of trail run that you're doing, the elevation that you're doing. Mountain running, um, you know, involves some form of trail running, but obviously the elevation is very different. Um, but, you know, your preparation and everything can vary between each race that you do. Um, and Dom, I know that you, you've done, you're, you're training for an ultra, um, but, you know, the environment, there's so many different factors that can come into play with a trail race, um, depending on the gradient, the environment, the climate. There's lots of different variables um, that can really, you know, depend on, depend on the, the type of race that you have. Um, Nutrition is obviously really important throughout a trail race. Um, and depending on the variant and the gradient, that can really affect your hydration levels and your nutrition um, throughout the race as well. So um, in Hawaii, it was super humid. As I said, I had a heat stroke um, at the end of the race and I was severely dehydrated. And from that race that I had over there, I did finish third, but I also 
realize the importance of hydrating throughout the run you know the importance of of you know carrying electrolyte not just water um in your camel pack um but you know that was crazy that was at Kualoa ranch where they filmed jurassic park and that was sort of running up very steep gradient but then also some really sharp downhill um, and then some very technical and slippery um, slippery single trail um, so yeah it's hard to to compare one trail to another because the environment is so different um, and that's sort of what I enjoy um, there's some you know races where I'll go and travel and I'll actually get on the trail before the race just to, to really check it out to, to see what what I'm up for and you know, I know with ultra ultra trail races, it's good to get a hit out on the actual trail itself in preparation. But there have been some races that I've done where I've done, you know, I've, I've never raced on the trail before. Where I guess that keeps it fairly exciting. You don't know what what what's to come. I did the Booty Coastal Classic. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, and um, didn't do that one. And and it was a very hot, humid um, race. And fortunately, I did have electrolyte, but that race took a lot out of me, and I just wasn't sure as to what to do so i looked at the elevation map before the race and i kind of knew what was there and, and what was coming but until i actually raced it um it was very different to how it actually felt um and finishing on on the sand with a k to go soft sand like when you're finishing a race is pretty tough so um yeah it was um a really tough i i definitely yeah should have prepared better for that race had i have done that trail beforehand i think that definitely would have helped yeah <laughs> yeah Hundred percent. What a, this might be a random question, but what was it like actually having like what does it feel like to have heat stroke or does it sort of fade in and out? Like what's that experience like? Um, I'll tell you now. Like I'm pretty good with my pain threshold, but in that race, I can I still remember the, the, the like exactly the same feeling. And this is you know back in 2014. My legs were heavy. I could barely breathe. My heart was thumping. I was just feeling absolutely wasted. And I, I knew I knew I was in third place. So I guess when you're in a, in a metal, you know, contention position, um, you'll just do anything to get to the finish line. I could barely lift my legs. And there was actually an official who stopped me about maybe 2K from the finish line. And he said, mate, you are looking really, really bad. Like I might need to get medical. And I was like, no, I, I want to finish this finish this race and I had some water and you know I kind of went against his instruction because I wanted that medal so badly um and I cannot remember much of what happened in the last 2k of that race my I could barely lift my knees I remember seeing the flags where you finish down to the finish line I could barely lift my knees that was the first thing I was barely conscious I was sweating ridiculous like levels of sweat I felt like I was going to throw up and after that, I don't remember much until I woke up in the tent um, and was going in and out of consciousness. Um, I had to have a defibrillator, so it was pretty bad because um, it got where my heart stopped. And the funny thing was, was that when you do, um, like, I guess when you think you pass out and you're sort of flatlining, like you see a lot, I didn't see anything, but I actually could hear everything that was going on around me. So. I couldn't open my eyes. I felt like a flushing sound in my ear that was sort of going around in circles and I could just hear them panicking, which wasn't the best for my sight. But after a couple of pumps when my ribs were in, in an excruciating amount of pain, um, I kind of came back to life again. And um, when I've looked back at that race, you know, it's funny because I know that I can push my body to a certain extent, but then I also have this threshold where 
I don't want to overdo it given that I flatlined and needed a defibrillator. Um, mm. But if you get to that level of dehydration or heat stroke, like I probably should have just pulled out and not, not finished, but the inner athlete in me just, yeah, said, no, I've got to get that medal. Like I just want to cross the line. I've come all this way. I've done all that training and I just want to finish. But now that I look back, I'm like, no, I should have just pulled out and yeah, looked after my health. Yeah. Is that because you think, obviously one thing I've noticed in training is, you know, when like you're severely pushing yourself, but you also know when something's wrong. Like for example, when you're maybe a good example is like when you're starting to get sick, you know what fatigue, actual fatigue feels like taking out that sickness factor. So obviously you noticed something was very Mm. wrong. Like I would, I I think I personally, I definitely would have found it very difficult to, if it was like a, because it's a feeling you've never experienced before. I would mm. imagine so um yeah. kind of pretty pretty crazy what at what point did did you like sort of get an opinion from someone when you're on in the race or was it sort of that person that guy that recognized yeah. you I, I, like trust me i knew that i was in trouble like i i knew that this was never how i felt before like i had an experience obviously running in in the climate of hawaii where it's you know extremely humid um, and it was actually in winter. So I thought humidity levels are going to be much lower than usual. Um, so I didn't really think too much about it, but yeah, it wasn't until that guy actually told me, I, I kind of knew how, what he already was telling me. So, um, it was just me going against my body's wishes to finish that race. Um, where I probably, as I said, should have stopped and hydrated and yeah, pulled out. But yeah, given that that was sort of my first real taste of international running um at that point in time i thought no there's no way in hell i'm going to pull out like i I just want to get this done and and finish and you know get a medal and since then i'm like it's not worth yes it could be worth getting a world championship medal that's great but if i was to die i know that probably as runners we probably say oh if i died running then that's great but um obviously (laughs) at a young age of like how old was i like 28 or whatever like i knew that I had obviously life ahead of me. So, um, yeah, I, I was very, very grateful when I woke up because I actually at one point when I was getting a defibrillator thought, wow, this might be my time. And it's not the the nicest feeling to have when you know that your time might be up and you can hear everything going on. Um, and I knew when I couldn't open my eyes, when I physically could not open, I'm like, maybe this is it. But when I pulled through, that gave me hope. I'm like, I've got another chance. So, um yeah i was able to push through and after that experience i did have some heart damage had some um, damage done to my ribs from the defibrillator um and i was told maybe choose another sport aside from running when i saw my cardiologist but here i am all these years later running again and and still enjoying it um even though i've just had surgery but you know these are the, the, the things running throws at you but i think we're so if you're really passionate about what you love doing then you know regardless of what the specialists or the doctors say, you'll keep doing it and, and push through. But I am listening more to my body and yeah, being more in tune and being more intuitive as well, um, which sometimes doesn't work into my favor, particularly at run crew sessions when they're fairly tough and you're pushing yourself. I feel like I could possibly push myself a bit more, but I, I, I know my, my threshold now. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Yeah. Um, 
What about like your nutrition? I think you you mentioned it's pretty important before, and I guess um, you took a little learnings from the the heat stroke and yeah. taking on electrolytes and things like that. Um, what does your, your your race day nutrition look like? And then I guess also your your diet in general. Is what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, I mean. You know, I know that there's um, such things as carb loading, but, you know, generally I have a pretty well-balanced diet and I make sure that, you know, I have my proteins, carbohydrates, my, my vitamin C, vitamin D um, in most of my meals. Um, but, you know, for me, I think carb loading is really important um, because during a trail race, you virtually work through every um, food store in your body. Um, particularly when you're working hard and working with elevation, um, even with mountain running, that that's super important. But during the race, like I'm making sure that I now, and this may have seemed really silly for years after, and I've kind of restricted myself now, but my safety net was actually running with a camel pack with um, electrolyte in it. And even if it was for like a 20K run or even shorter than that, I'd be running with my camel pack just because that was my security blanket um, mm. after, after that and obviously with, with reasoning um, as to why I did that. Um, so for all my mountain, mountain championship races, they were only, what, 10K or 12K for those New South Wales mountain races. But I thought, no, I've got to sip, have sips throughout the race, make sure that I've got, yeah, general nutrition. Um, I, I obviously carry gels with me as well. Um, for some of those longer trial runs, I'll have bananas. Bananas have been like my number one go-to just for a little bit of extra food source, but also having sugar as well. Um, I remember I did the, the UTA 22 and collapsed after the line and fortunately didn't have a repeat of what happened in Hawaii, but my sugar levels were so low and that's why I collapsed. So, you know, making sure that I that I have sugar and, and include that within my diet is also important, particularly on race day um, as well. But um, in the lead up to races, you know, that are particularly uh, involving a lot of elevation, a lot of, um, if it's a, a faster pace run as well, I'll be carb loading that whole week up to two weeks before the race um, as well. But I think one thing for me, I don't know if you guys experience this as well, when you're working full time and in my role as your advisor, there are times where, you know, I may not have time to eat lunch because I'm working pretty hard throughout the day, but I'm making it a priority now just to make sure I don't skip meals and, you know, have, you know, my sandwich or my banana and have little snacks just to make sure that I've got enough energy to train at the end of the day. Um, because when I don't have that nutrition, generally, I just feel extremely fatigued and, you know, with the amount of mileage that we're doing, we've got to keep that nutrition going. So, yeah, that's um, I think important. So, do you train? You train a decent amount in the in the afternoon after work, or are you a morning trainer as well? Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting. I used to definitely be more of an afternoon athlete, but I've actually changed a lot of my training now to the morning. So, I'm setting my my alarm for five a.m. just because I'm now feeling like I've got more energy first thing in the morning as mm. opposed to a full day at school um, and then doing co-curricular commitments and getting home at 6 p.m. I'm just feeling pretty smashed. So um, doing my sessions in the morning, I think, has been really helpful just for energy level sake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's one thing I noticed is I pretty much only pretty much only train in the morning just because I feel after work pretty mentally fatigued. Um, yeah. And I, it just feels like more of an effort it just feels like more of an effort and especially because you're maybe it could be all in my head, but the willpower 
element as well. Like I'm much more susceptible to missing um, missing a run in the in the afternoon, and you just feel weaker. So yeah, it must be yeah. common, surely. Yeah, I I'm the same as you. I hate missing sessions. Um, I get mm. frustrated as long as I can get something in. I know that I'll, I'm gonna if I set my alarm in the morning and don't sleep through it. I think it takes a couple of weeks to actually adapt to morning sessions. Um, ideally, yeah. it would be good if I could do it a bit later as, as opposed to 5.30 or 6 a.m. Um, but yeah, once you condition your body and get it done first thing, you actually, I feel like I feel more awake and like my energy levels are lifted for the rest of the workday um, as opposed to in the evening when I just, yeah, feel like rubbish and can yeah. barely get it a tempo-based session. If, if you're doing an easy run um, after work, I think it's doable. But, you know, if you were to do a, a threshold or, or tempo or speed-based session after work, after a long day, I just feel like yeah. the quality sometimes isn't there. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I, sp- I remember doing do, like track. We used to, Dom and I used to do some track workouts and though they were, um, what's the, what's the, I've got had a mental blank, but at the um, at the Bay Run, the track there. Right, are you? Uh, looks like he's dispersing. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. Am I back? Am I back? Yeah. yeah we had such out. a good run, mate. I've been running off oh, my, my 4G. I've been, <laughs> I've been um, proud of the way this phone's held up. But anyway, um, <clears throat> what was I saying? Oh, yeah, we're doing sessions around, sessions on the track at, um, around the, the track right, near the near bay. Yeah. Oh, no, no, near the, near oh, the bay. bay. King yeah. George. Yeah. King George, that's it. And they're in yeah. the afternoon and it's just so much harder to G up in the afternoon. But um, yeah. yeah, anyway, I guess, oh yeah, what's um, what's coaching like? You mentioned you were doing some coaching. Yeah. Well, through my school at Redlands, um, I, I'm the head of track and field and cross country. So I do a Friday afternoon session down at Balmoral Oval which is sort of done through Mossman Athletics Club. And then I also coach on Wednesday afternoons and have my own little squad. Um, But I have a bunch of junior athletes. And, um, you know, I think the one thing for me working as a teacher, um, particularly, has taught me the importance of holistic coaching. So, you know, I understand the training load um, or, or, yeah, I have a good understanding of training load on the development of junior athletes, having been through that myself. Um, but then also understanding all the other commitments that are involved. Like as a high school student working, um, you know, at a private school, they're doing so much extra. They're doing, you know, team sports. They're doing music lessons and everything. There's so many things on in a day. So, you know, one of my athletes is is feeling super tired in the afternoon or, you know, I, I can just feel like they're, they're not at their peak energy levels. I, I try and adjust the session, but tr- I still try and get a good quality session in. Um, but you know, um, I think having the experience that I've had as a, have had as an athlete growing up, um, I kind of know what works best, how you feel, but then also how to get a good quality session in, in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, um, the one thing I've always wondered is coaching different people, how you manage, because obviously Mm. everyone everyone has different sort of goals and ambitions with running. Is that something you, you have mm. to manage? Like are you making sure that people are very engaged in it or are you sort of advising um, only t- people that are very sort of interested to, to pursue it? Cause obviously it's quite a pain, like you really have to love it. 
um, of in my view to, yeah so yeah I guess one thing I say to my athletes is that I only want you to train you know if you enjoy and, and you're absolutely passionate about the running I know that um, as a junior athlete you're kind of getting a taste for different sports you know and I completely understand like I had an athlete who loved their team sports and they just found it very hard to be disciplined individually to run because it did require it does require a lot of self-discipline so I actually got that athlete to pursue their passion of team sports whereas the runners that I am coaching now are 100% committed and passionate about running um, you know I train um, you know a junior school girl who's 13 um, then I've got an 18 year old you know student who's just started at university and obviously going from that transition to high school to university is quite different um, and you know social life gets in the way and all those things um, start to creep in as well but I think you're right in saying the goal understanding the athlete's goal is super important because that's sort of what keeps the athlete motivation what keeps my relationship with that athlete going as well is keeping that that particular athlete driven um, to achieving their desired goals and, you know, making sure that they attend and, and that, that they're ideally consistent with the training that they're doing as well um, is, is super important. But, you know, I run, you know, just how I'm doing, say, I don't know, with my athletes, 12, 400s, depending on the age of the athlete, I might get, you know, the, the 12-year-old athlete to skip every second, you know, 400, for example, Whereas with my 18-year-old athlete, you know, I'll get him to do every single one. So I do try and tailor the session um, and work with the different levels of runners that, I, that I'm working with as well. But it can be quite challenging. Um, but, you know, um, I think that the first thing is, is commitment and then also passion. If you've got those two things in an athlete, then it makes it easier f- as a coach to actually, you know, train the athlete. Mm. How long, um, how long... You meant like if you mentioned passion, how long do you have to give people like say if they're trying it out? Obviously, they've got to um, give it a little bit of a go. How how long do you see people hanging on and then sort of making a change? Because obviously, it's something that's pretty hard to love at first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, one thing. This is another thing that I do within my training sessions. I think it's really really important as a as a coach of junior athletes to really diversify the training sessions. So. I love training down at Balmoral Oval because we've got the Balmoral Stairs, we've got Middlehead Road that's up up the road from where um, Balmoral Oval is, we've got the Oval itself, we've got the beach. Um, So I feel like I keep my athletes fairly engaged through the different types of training sessions that I do that still, you know, work the athlete hard. But on on that note, you know, I've had the, the, the student who decided to take on team sports, that was after around 12 months of running. So it wasn't for 12 months that she then decided to look you know, I love doing my football. That's what I'm really passionate about. Um, and she went on to pursue that. So, you know, it does take some time, um, but I feel like I'm a pretty good coach at being personable. Um, and I think that's a really important factor as a coach is relating well to your athletes and making sure that you're checking in and, and doing that. And I think I've done that well. And that might be due to my teaching background um, and my, my type of personality. Um, but aside from that one student, most of my athletes have hung around for the last five years. So, you know, I, I feel like that's given me some confidence that I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm mentoring my athletes in a way as well and helping them with their, their transition, you know, as a teenager through to a young adult um, and giving them good direction as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, it's, a big, um, it's a big thing to undertake for sure. 
um, is coaching because obviously you mentioned being personable, but one of the things I've noticed working with Sally is you can really tell that she she cares a hundred percent about the outcome, and and that's yeah. one thing I've noticed is like if you were to get a coach that's sort of um, like I've had coaches in the part not running coaches this is like at school right and you can always tell when someone's not invested in you even if they're like sort of saying saying they are but it's like sort of you can just feel it if that if that makes sense so but it's challenging because i imagine it's challenging because there's like different people and they all have you know they're all individuals so um yeah yeah something really interesting yeah and different athletes have different personalities like i work a lot of, like a few of my athletes that i've coached are introverted and mm. you don't get much out of them but once you start building that good connection um they start opening up and i feel like it's so important for communication between the athlete and the coach you know it might be from a simple thing with asking them how are you feeling today um or you know were you happy with that race what can we do to improve um and yeah keeping that positive relationship going i think once you've got that and they have faith that you have that general interest and that genuine interest as you said luke um mm-hmm. then you know they'll put a, a they'll, they'll put more effort into their training and competition um mm. so i think you know that's really important i think the other thing is as well and this is one thing i'm really focused on as a junior you know coach is that you it's really important not to overtrain junior runners from a young age um you know i'm all for you know doing the two sessions a week and and leaving it at that um you know i get moving into high school and and beyond i think you know if i had if i myself personally had started running from an older age i think you know i'd feel my legs may feel a little bit fresher but um i'm very grateful for the experience that i've had and and for the coaches that i've had and, and from what i've learned but I think not overdoing it, particularly when a teenager is going through puberty and development, particularly female athletes, it's really important to have that understanding so that you're not over pushing them that might restrict their growth. Same for boys as well. Um, you know, you've got to allow for growth and, and for muscle development. Um, but I think that that's, you, you really need to know and understand how teenagers and, um, and how the physical body grows um, as an mm. athlete. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, that's some, that's some really, I've really enjoyed that insight. So thank you. Um, I think we will uh, wrap up with the standard question that we've been asking everyone. Dom, sorry, do you, I'll throw to you. Do you have any sort of things you want to touch on? Um, oh, no, no, that's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Final question. Final question. <laughs> Go on, Dom. <laughs> Usually I've asked everyone uh, what their favourite race is and, and why. Um, are there any well, races? My, so my favourite race would probably have to be the Sydney 10. Um, I did it 12 months ago. This was prior to my injury and I just love how fast it is. I remember on the day you guys, I don't know if you guys ran that Sydney 10 where it was just fog, um, but there's just something about the race that brings the whole community together. It's fun, it's competitive and it's fast. Um, and I ran a good solid PB that day as well. So, um, yeah, definitely the, the Sydney 10. I know it's not a trail race, but um, it's definitely a good community race. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fast yeah, a good and, one. Yeah, fast yeah. and um, brings out a lot of PBs and the best out of a lot of athletes. And it's a good, it definitely is a good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. all right, well, thank you. Thanks, Nick, for joining and wishing you, obviously, all the best in recovering um 
with your from your injury uh, yeah i'm really looking forward to you know probably catching up at some point and also just seeing seeing you come out the other side of that um battle you're going through at the moment but um yeah thank you very much for joining us as well yeah thanks so much uh luke and and thank you dom as well for the opportunity to come and speak about everything running related and um you guys are doing an awesome job uh, with your your podcast and everything else you're keeping the running community engaged so thank you very much thank you thanks mate <laughs> thanks nick pleasure